Live from the Tech Talk studios in the nation's capital and the heartland of America. It's Tech Talk. Well, it's that time again. It's time for Tech Talk. I'm Brad Cost, my co-host, my partner in crime, Dr. Jay Greenstein. Jay, it's a beautiful day, I understand, in Washington, D.C. How's it going, man? It is beautiful. It's like 85 degrees and sunny. I'm sitting outside doing some work. It's, it's awesome. You're What's doing going on some in Oklahoma? Work? Uh, dude, we, am- we are in the middle of a tornado warning right now. Uh, expecting, you better uh, click your heels twice, Dorothy. Yeah, expecting, <laughs> uh, you know, you know it's going to be a big deal when they say potential baseball-sized hell. Oh, my God. That sounds exaggerated, but, dude, I have seen grapefruit-sized hell. Uh, come through a few years ago. I actually, I was on my way home and I, and I was on the highway and I noticed all these cars are stopping in the middle of the interstate. What is going on? And people are jumping out of their cars. And I look up and a tornado about two miles in front of me is crossing the highway and these people oh are God. getting out. I said, I'm not getting out because there was a barn that just blew up and you got all this tin in the air. My choice was to get off and go to a gas station. That didn't seem like the right thing to do in a tornado. So <laughs> kind of flammable. I'm just going to stand here in the highway and watch watch it pass over, and then I'm going to scoot around it, and that's what I did. But I got home, and uh, that big hail had come. There were literally holes in people's roofs, like went all the way through the roof into the living rooms. You know, the, oh, it was man. huge. Yeah, it was crazy. Do you guys stuff. have, like, hail insurance in Oklahoma? Yeah, we pay a lot because they have, you know, you, you replace a roof every two or three years in most cases. So it's... Holy cow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. That's that's unbelievable. I've never seen a tornado live before. Oh, man. I've seen... They're beautiful to watch. <clears throat> they are... And listen to because they make really a sound like a freight engine. And that's how you can tell you better be somewhere underground at that point in time. And, um, and it, they're beautiful to watch thunderstorms here because we look to the West from our house, beautiful Mm -hmm. thunderstorms as they approach, especially at sunset when most of them occur and those tornadoes and during the daytime stick out. Most times you can see them. Sometimes they're what's called rain wrapped and they're wrapped in rain and you can't see them until they're right on you. So we always have a warning radios and TV kind of things that let us know when we need to go underground. It's nuts, dude. Well, be safe, man. Yeah, you bet, buddy. Don't worry. We'll let you stop the podcast temporarily if you need to. You <laughs> don't have to stick with it. Listen, we have a guest today, uh, one of your friends. I think I've met him once. We were just talking about that before, but why don't you introduce him today? Let's get started. Yeah, it's my pleasure. We have Miles Bodzin today, doctor of chiropractic and chiropractic entrepreneur, has an amazing company called The Cash Practice. And I've known Miles now for several years. Um, we've been communicating a lot more recently just with, you know, both of us having technology companies and kind of me getting started in the space in the last couple of years. And he's got a great company, great reputation, great people that work on his team. And Miles, thanks so much for being here today, man. Well, thanks for having me, Jay. Thanks for having me, Brad. It's really a pleasure to be here on your podcast. I'm excited to, to share with your audience. So Miles, give us a little bit of history of like, you know, how you made the decision to become a chiropractor and then how that translated into your business, your cash practice business. Sure. I mean, that's a really broad, broad subject. And, I, and I'll do my best to kind of narrow the focus and not bore them with a bunch of details. But like a lot of us, you know, I was a young kid wanting to become, you know, a professional at some point in my life. And I was in school as a student at San Diego State University here where I live in San Diego. And I was studying to actually be an engineer. 
Um, in fact, I was studying electrical engineering and I literally got to the point in my senior year, literally less than a year to graduate, where I woke up one day realizing, you know, I don't think I really want to be an engineer. As much as I enjoy the work, as much as I enjoy the software development, as much as I enjoy everything I was doing, I came to this realization that it just didn't fit who I wanted to be as a grown-up. And um, the story goes uh, is as I left school, I literally dropped out like a lot of people, you know, who come to these realizations. I went to the beach here in San Diego. Imagine a young kid sitting on the beach with a backpack and a notepad going, what am I going to do when I grow up? Like, what am I, you know, imagine a 19, 20 year old kid doing this. And that was me. I was on the beach and I fill out a pad of paper. Like, what do I want to do? Try to find myself, you know? And um, it was after I got some clarity about what I wanted and I really kind of got clear on what I wanted. Like I realized I wanted to work for myself and I wanted to help people and a little bit less of the cubicle world, you know, more interacting, more social, that kind of thing. And if you know the engineers of the world, they're not the, the people hanging out in parties and socializing and stuff. And I, and I wanted a little bit different life than that engineering world. And at that time, I was visiting my chiropractor. I had been going to a chiropractor since I was 12. Uh, wow. when I was visiting family in upstate New York at the time, and I was diving into a pool as a young kid. I ended up injuring my neck as a 12-year-old. And after that experience of suffering for a few weeks, my parents were finally convinced to take me to a chiropractor uh, in Southern Florida where I was now, living. Had, had they been to a chiropractor? How did no. they know? No, they hadn't been. And it just so happened at this time, my brother-in-law was in chiropractic school at Life West at this point in time. And he wow. was going to chiropractic school. He got inspired after having an injury in an auto accident. And that's why he was in, in chiropractic school. So through his, um, um, in, what's the word? Through his uh, promoting the idea to my parents, I guess you would say, they finally, after me suffering for a few weeks, said, all right, we'll take him to a chiropractor. And I still remember the adjustment and walking around junior high school with a collar around my neck and oh. you know, that whole experience, you know? And, um, you know, it was, that was my first taste of chiropractic was pain relief and um, nothing about wellness or any of that kind of stuff. Fast forward to this time where I'm kind of figuring out my life on the beach and I visit my chiropractor at the time. And even at this point, I still didn't really know what chiropractic was all about. However, while I was there, it dawned on me, this doctor was living my life, meaning living the life I pictured myself. He was helping people. He was having a good time. He was working for himself. He got a lot of respect and, you know, he seemed to have a lot of joy in his life. And I said, well, crap, maybe I should check this chiropractic thing out. Like I know about it, like maybe I should check it out. So I went to my school library and I looked at a book on chiropractic and I don't remember the exact book, what it was, but I remember there was a part in there that I turned to that I talked about the job of a chiropractor was to find these areas of the spine that had nerve interference and to remove that nerve interference and the body would work better. And here I was coming from a background of studying electrical engineering. And it kind of just resonated with me. Like, you mean there's this electrical system in the body that you can like remove interference from and the body will work better. Like, you mean I don't have to give up all my engineering knowledge and I can apply it? Like it just kind of clicked for me. And That's I remember cool. going home. Uh, I was living with my girlfriend, my wife now, but my girlfriend at the time and uh, telling her like, what do you think of me dropping out of engineering and going to be a chiropr chiropractor? And of course, you know, the glass dropped on the ground. Like, what the hell are you talking about? You're about to finish. And in fact, this story I'm sharing with you right now, um, I've shared this story in the past over the years. And many years ago, we shared it a bunch and uh, we got a lot of, when I go into real detail, but sorry, I always got a lot of comments and feedback about it and people resonating with it and stuff. And we were told it was an, a kind of an inspiring story. So about four years ago, we uh, decided to produce a movie. And I don't know if you've seen wow. it, right? We produced yeah. a movie called, if you have anybody or any of the listeners want to go check it out, it's a movie about this. It's a that movie literally starts off with me dropping out of school uh, at that point in life. It's got, if anybody wants to watch it, we posted it. It's, they can stream it for free. Just go to thecallingmovie.com. And it's a 45-minute feature movie um, that with actors and actresses and the whole shebang 
um, that shows the story of being called to serve as a chiropractor. The, co so, wait, the it's calling, a, it's called the calling. I'm writing it down right now. The calling movie.com. So when you got cool. a moment, take 45 minutes and watch it. And I think you'll find it enjoyable. It's, it tells the story of being called to serve as a chiropractor. It shows the story of a patient. It shows the story of a CA. I mean, it's now, did you start it? Did you star in it? Were you the star? I, I have a cameo at the end, but no, we have actors portraying all the different characters. So, oh man, you should have done it yourself. You should just yeah, act. No, I'm not an actor. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did this legit. Yeah. Yeah. But, but we did spend about six months writing the script. We had a, about a six month window writing the script and it was a fun project, but you know, when you ask the story, I often sometimes will say, go watch the movie. There's the story, but I figured I'd give it a little bit, a little taste of it. So it's weave in the path about the engineering, especially since we're talking about technology and stuff. So I have a, I have a pretty technical background. That's so cool. I got to tell you, there's a fair amount of alignment with, um, with my story. Now I was not a chiropractic patient, but my mom was, I was also well on my way to getting a business degree at Maryland, the middle of my junior year, I'm having lunch with them. They're like, what are you going to do with your life? I'm like, I don't know. And my mom says, why don't you go talk to my chiropractor? And he said three things to me. You help a lot of people. You make a nice living and you work for yourself. And I'm like, that totally resonated with me. Then he hands me the book, Introduction to Chiropractic by Lou Sportelli, that white book. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. ever seen it. Yeah. And who knows? We could have read the same. That could have been the same book you read, right? Who knows? I, don't, um, I really, I wish I remembered it because it was so long ago, but. Yeah, yeah. And it just resonated with me and, and obviously the rest is history. So super interesting that we had some similarities there. It's just a great, great story. So, so uh, where did you go to chiropractic school? And then when you graduated, tell us that story because you and Brad were going to be neighbors potentially. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When I went to school, I did like a lot of, well, I would say a lot of students, but I did what I did was what's the closest school to me? And I'm in San Diego. So I ended up at LACC, uh, Los Angeles College of Chiropractic back then. Now, what year What year was this? Miles? This was in 1990. I started, I graduated December of 93. Okay. Um, this is when, um, what's his name was, uh, Reed Phillips was the president. And they had yeah. just started this new program called the Advantage Program, I think they called it at the time. It was a way they changed the, the teaching method was much more hands-on and less text, you know, tech classroom uh, style. Anyway, long story short, I loved my education. I absolutely loved going to LACC. Um, and, awesome. you know, I'm a very philosophically principled-based chiropractor, and I came out of a place like LACC. You know, I, I came out of there, you know, I, I look at people like Dave Jackson or, or Bill DeMoss and these guys that came out of LACC that tend to be pretty, I guess you would say, philosophically driven leaders in the industry. And, and I, I consider myself a principled chiropractor as well. I think what happens for some of us, not all of us, some of us go in those programs and we just, we get medicalized, but some of us go through those programs and, you know, we're, we're there to defend our position and, you know, and you learn and you learn and you learn and, you know, there might be teachers that challenge you, but I came out of there really strong in my ability to defend and or not defend per se, like a defensive position, but be able to uh, state my case as to why I believe what I believe with chiropractic without necessarily just repeating, regurgitating what I, what I was spoon fed. And yeah. uh, I found it to be like, like working a muscle. You get strong at something when there's resistance. And uh, I came out of school really, I really enjoyed it. And I came out of it really strong in my, in my convictions. In fact, when I opened my practice in San Diego, so in 93, when I, when I opened my practice, or actually 94, I should say, uh, in 94, when I opened my practice, I named it at the time, the Chiropractic Wellness Center and not the Chiropractic Pain Clinic or anything like that. And, and I bring that up because the word wellness and even that name, Chiropractic Wellness Center is a pretty common name today, but 94 when I went to the city of San Diego to register the name, there were zero names with the word wellness in it at the time. There was no businesses with the word wellness in it at that time. We were the very first. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I, that was coming out of school. That's, that's what I wanted to do. And it's actually what led to some of my challenges early in practice too. But the notion was always about helping people have the best, you know, best case.
That's awesome. I can't wait to hear about those early years in practice and some of the challenges that you face. Because I think, uh, and Brad and I, you know, we've, we talk about this all the time together, but we also hear it from our guests. Like, it's the challenges that shape us and make us who we are not necessarily the successes, right? So can't wait to hear those stories. Brad, it sounds like we, we need to take a break, huh? We got our sponsors that, that we got to support. We've got sponsors that are going to support us. That's absolutely right. <laughs> Listen, we'll be back. We're listening to Tech Talk with Miles Botson. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Reaching your potential brings you the freedom to run your practice the way that you want. Does that mean gaining more patience or more profit? Or more time spent pursuing other dreams? Kaizenovate can help you achieve the freedom you want by providing the education, technology, and consultation expertise to help you grow your practice and achieve your dreams. Kaizenovate, the developer of the Canvas app, the app that can take your practice to the next level by providing a customized, direct connection between your practice and patients. Through a built-in rewards program, Canvas can grow new and existing patient numbers and increase your patient's adherence to care plans. What does your custom dream app look like? Elevate your practice with Kaizenovate, www.kaizo-health.com. Listen to the future of healthcare with the data jocks of talk. It's Tech Talk. Just one of those nights, Jay. I mean, just one of those nights. Just one of those nights. Oh, little Eagles. A little eagles. That's right. You know, I was, sitting down, it, I was sitting down listening to music the other day and I thought, you know what? I need to bring some of those in on the podcast. I, yeah. You know, I always try to have a, unusual selections and it seems that I go back to the seventies back in your early, well, you probably weren't even born in the seventies, were you? No, dude. I was a, I was a youngster in the seventies. I was definitely around. Mm -hmm. I'm a seventies kid. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in, in the seventies and eighties had the greatest music in the world, in my greatest opinion. music, you know, the greatest music and and man, I, and then I, I sort of moved myself into the nineties and, and, uh, and a little bit of, uh, different music, but I love all some grunge rock, some grunge rock. You like some grunge rock? Yes. Uh, all right. Do you, I ran up a theme with Chicago. Do you remember the band Chicago? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I uh, downloaded some of those. So you're going to hear some more of the music over the next few podcasts tuned in just for the music. Hey, Miles, I, I want to get back to some of this, and let's finish listening uh, to your journey of you've opened a practice. What were some of the challenges? I'm assuming you went more of a traditional role as a Cairo. You got into the insurance, and and probably were some pitfalls there that sort of turned you to cash practice ultimately. Can you tell us a little bit and sort of pick up on the story where you left off on that? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So here I am, this young punk out of school, all cocky and everything, think I'm going to you know, save the world. And here I'm met with the challenge of, we all know in the early 90s, all the advertising for chiropractor, all the marketing was, if you open up the yellow pages, you either saw a picture of a guy bent over with lightning bolts flying out of his ass, you know, with the eight danger signals, or you saw two cars crashing into each other. And, you know, that's what people thought of chiropractic was either back pain or car accidents. And here I'm in this place called the Chiropractic Wellness Center. It's like, what the hell is that, you know, to the public? And the second thing I run into is in Southern California, 
managed care was this new thing on the scene, HMOs and PPOs, and nine out of 10 people who walked into my clinic was part of a managed care program. And of course, I'm not part of any of it. In fact, I tried to become you know, a provider, but here I'm this young punk kid. They're, not, they're, they're limiting who they're letting in as doctors to be present. You had to be part of the elite group of chiropractors to be allowed into these programs. So I'm not allowed in. I'm trying to get into them, but I can't. So I can't get into them. Everybody comes in with that insurance. I'm not participating. I'm trying to talk wellness. They want back pain relief. So it was a banging of heads. And it literally got to a point that I almost gave up on becoming a chiropractor. I literally, after a year and a half, was ready to close my doors and say, I'm going back to engineering school and finishing it up. And wow. uh, again, kind of referring back to the movie, you'll see that kind of played out in the story where I literally remember my mom, my wife, and my little girl at the time, we had a little girl, my daughter, Mariah, who's 28 now, but my little girl at the time, we ended up moving back in with my parents. I literally can't, couldn't afford to live. I couldn't afford to pay my you know, personal expenses. I had barely enough money to pay for the practice. And we moved back in with my parents and we lived there for six to 12 months, somewhere in that range. I can't remember exactly until we figured things out. And what I realized is, is I was never going to be successful in that insurance world. It just wasn't in the cards for me. While the rest of the country was still living in the Mercedes 80s, Southern California was not. Southern California was still, it was very hardcore insurance at the time. So I had no choice but to figure out how to do stuff in a cash model. Now, whatever little insurance people did have, if I could use it, I still did. I wasn't hundred, I was never hundred percent cash. And, you know, we, but we always ran about 80, 90% cash is just, we had no choice, but I learned some things and, you know, I learned how to, you know, I learned, oh, go to do prepay programs and do care plans. And I learned to do that. And I got really good at it. And to a point, that's what actually eventually allowed us to move out was learning how to do a care plan and, and selling programs. And I, I have a little bit of a skill set. You know, I, I could do that. I, I came across what, you know, I did it fine. But I had some experiences with that that kind of backfired where I had, I remember this week where I had three military families who had been patients on a care plan and they got transferred out of town all of a sudden. And then what happened was I had the pleasure of writing about $10,000 of refunds that week. And it like just struck me like, holy crap, I'm, I'm, yes, I'm doing better, but I'm not really doing better because all I'm doing is borrowing money from my patients. It's really not my income. It, it's not, you know what I'm saying? It's like borrowed money. It's not mine. Yeah. And, and it just pissed me off and it freaked me out. And I said, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go on a mission to figure something, you know, figure out something different. And the other thing that really by this point in my career was kind of frustrating for me was that I felt like I'd been lied to in our profession. Jay, I know you've heard this statement that We've heard speakers from stage yell from the stage, if patients knew what I knew, they would do what I do. Like we know that mantra that if patients just understood chiropractic, they'd follow us to the ends of the earth. And I say I was lied to because I was doing that. I was teaching, I was educating, I was doing all the things that I was told to do to have patients follow through and, and become great patients. But meanwhile, even people who had been on programs of care who got the big idea of chiropractic, it baffled my mind that a year later they weren't coming in anymore sure and then it baffled my mind that i had other people who never got the big idea never understood chiropractic and they were with me for years so i went on this mission to figure out what drives people's behavior what drives them to stay with us what drives someone to become a loyal practice member versus not what makes them have retain the practice in the practice because ultimately if we're talking a wellness model i think we could all agree we're talking about taking care of people for a long, long time, not just quick fix. And um, to me, I went on a, I was literally doing research in my practice eventually on 
interviewing patients and questioning them like you've been here for 200 visits you've been here for years why the hell are you still coming in i really want to know what drives your behavior to be here and i videotaped all this stuff I and mean, i really did a lot of research to dry to, to figure this stuff out and ultimately that's what led to cash practice what led to that you're asking you know what the transition i realized there was four key elements that drove people's behavior to stay with us and those four key elements i often refer to them as the four you know, principles of retention, whatever you want to think of them as, give it a name, whatever. But I discovered on those four key elements, there's ways that I can systematize those things and automate those things and make it really easy for them to be part of the practice, where eventually when I did that, it turned into where patients would stay with me for hundreds and hundreds of visits over the course of many years. And what I've kind of become known as by, by a lot of people nowadays is they jokingly refer to me as the king of retention. It's kind of a silly name, but the bottom line is, is that that's what cash practice is really all about. You know, if I was to say one mistake I made about the company cash practice, it's really the name of the company because the name implies we're all about cash. And yes, there is cash, but that's not really the purpose of the company. The purpose of the company is to help patients or help doctors build retention, build, yeah. you know, that's really what it's all about. That's fascinating. Can you share with us the four, the four drivers of retention? Yeah, uh, sure. And there's an easy way to remember them. We came up with this kind of thing called the four F's as an easy way to remember, you know, an, no, not an acronym, but the four F's. F number one is patients need frequent contact. Number two is you guys are laughing. It's funny. Because <laughs> he's waiting for me, for me to say fuck. Like I, he just wanted yeah. me to drop the F bomb. I know. That's I what I was going to say. I can see the, you're like waiting, like waiting, waiting, waiting. Okay. Well, if anybody can remember it, it'll be Jay. Right, that's we'll for sure. <laughs> we'll call him the five Fs. Okay. All right. Because you're like, that's oh, fucking brilliant. Right. Okay. That's the fifth F. Okay. All right. There number one. Number one is frequent contact. Okay, that has to do with our educational efforts and being frequent, you know, regular contact. And none of these by themselves, when you hear them, are going to be like, oh, that's mind-blowingly, but it's the combination of them all. Mm -hmm. So frequent contact is number one. Number two, we found was extremely important was feedback, um, giving patients regular feedback, but not just feedback. It has to be intuitive, meaning it has to be so easy for the patients to understand where they know they're at in the progress toward after, especially if they're feeling better. You know, and this is where giving people feedback, like this is why Fitbits are so popular, right? It's nobody has to, does patients put it on or people put it on, they know exactly. It's intuitive, what it means. exactly. It's intuitive, right? So yeah. chiropractic was missing that. There was no intuitive feedback. So we came up with a program for that. And I'll explain what the different programs are in just a moment. The third F that we have is uh, forecasting care. This has to do with forecasting out, does a person need six months, eight months, a year? Three, what do they need? But it's not just their care you need to forecast. They need to know what their financial obligations too. So we found that people were that were loyal to the practice, they were very clear on what their clinical needs were and their treatment plan was, and they were very clear on what their financial obligations were. And then the fourth one is you needed to make your payment program in your office frictionless. It had to be super easy for people to transact their, their, their transactions with you. So we want to automate all payment processing. Like there is no manual processing of payments in the practice at all. So the combination of frictionless payments, forecasting care, feedback, and, and, and frequent contact, that's what we were doing in practice. And Cash Practice is really a software platform that lets you do all of those things. It lets you give frequent contact using an email-based patient education system, uh, along with other things you may be doing. It lets you forecast care using a product called the Care Plan Calculator. It lets you do frictionless payments with our auto, auto debit system. And then it lets you give feedback using our wellness score. And it's intuitive because the wellness score is nothing more than really a report card for people's health. And people know what report cards are. They know what A, B, C, D, F means. Um, so we found that when doctors use this, they grow. And our stats show 
I can show you an example uh, just recently I was looking at, and this is common. You can teach a doctor to grow a practice. I could teach anybody. You could teach anybody. Anybody could teach someone to do something and have a, a month, a great month. But really where the, where the rubber meets the road is look at your stats over the course of a decade. And I could show you routinely that our doctors grow on average 24% every year, decade plus, year after year after year after year. Not just the one year, two years, but literally 10 years in a row, an average of 24% annual growth. The only practices, and Jay, I think you'll agree with this, the only practices that I've ever seen grow consistently and not plateau, or the any business, quite frankly, that grows and doesn't plateau is the one that adds new clients or new patients and doesn't lose them on the back end. 100%. It, it, that's, that's what it is. And that's what our stats show. And that's what happens when you apply these four principles or these four Fs, whatever you want to refer to them as. When we do these four things properly throughout the entire journey of a patient, it ends up leading that person to becoming loyal to the practice. And right. I'll summarize it this way. I'll, I'll summarize this, that when we see that you have lots of loyal patients in the practice, that will create a high retention practice, which will ultimately give you the success that so many doctors are, you know, that, are look, that they're looking for. Yeah, I love it. And what I love is that you've got aggregate data, which is really important. I mean, we're talking about technology here. You've you've created technology to help doctors through your through your four Fs, which is great. And then you've got data on the back end to show yep. the efficacy of of what they're doing and what you're doing together. So so kudos to you, Miles, for just building a great company. It's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. That that's always great. Let me bring it to a healthcare perspective. And I and I know historically chiropractic has sort of been that outlier in the overall healthcare sphere or our world or universe or whatever you want to call it. But that's We're the rebels. Yeah. But that's changing, you know, <laughs> We're with, the black sheep, Yeah, but that is changing. Uh, the is. world is changing. Jay and I are trying to really disruptively change that to bring chiropractic in back into that healthcare life cycle. So chiropractic is truly one of those normalized providers of services for any patient. But it's taking technology to do that. It's taking large amounts of data uh, to prove that. And we're in the process of doing that. My company has developed some amazing software that now will give chiropractors amazing views of patients. And every doctor that that patient sees their medication history, their medical history, what procedures, what diagnosis have been done uh, in an amazing app that allows you to see that in ways chiropractors just never have seen that before. Uh, if you look at, at conservative care and how that plays into the system today, it is by far the most economical way to do it. And I believe there's a lot of space there to bring that into more of a primary care kind of mentality uh, for chiropractors, especially those that lend themselves to technology and stuff. How do you see if, if, if guys like JNA can make that happen, then how do you see you get going from that outside world back into the sphere of, of normal healthcare and life cycle? Is that something you want to do or do you want to remain that outside um, world of, of chiropractic um, th that is sort of that soul world and industry out there. That makes well, sense. I, I, yeah, I understand where you're going with it. I'll, I'll answer it this way. Um, 
our niche is that practice who's the practice that's, you know, not in that world. I will certainly agree with that. I will say this also, we have clients that are not chiropractors. We have MDs that are clients. We have pharmacists that clients because they may use a piece of us where, for example, they want to use our wellness score to communicate their functional medicine that they do in their practice as an example. And as a, as a technology company, I would agree that our, is, our product isn't necessarily the niche product for that environment you're describing right there. Now, if they're going to, I always say this, if the, if the business that is, that we're interacting with is interested in retaining customers or retaining clients, and there's some kind of direct pay between that business and their customer, then we're a fit. If they're not interested in long-term retention, I'm going to guess that medical environment or that mainstream environment, the goal of care generally is going to be short-term, get them in, get them, the problems taken care of them, get them out the door. Maybe, maybe not. But if it is, then we're not the fit. But if, it, if the goal is retention, then that's where we could, that's where we really, where we really shine. You know, I'm going to agree with you because I really, other than hearing your name and things, I've really made some assumptions about what you're doing with the name cash practice. And I, know, I think you're a, wrong. I think you did. You're, you're right. You chose the wrong name because it, it really is not. I mean, you're, you're doing amazing things that I want all Kairos to do. You're using technology. You're using data. You're using evidence-based kind of, of, of views and treatment methodologies that the entire chiropractic, even those guys that are in the reimbursement world, or they're doing great things. They've got to come into that world. That's part of the normalization. And, and, and then I think that the efficacy of, of the treatment of patient and the retention of patient will automatically happen. That's really, it sounds like has happened for you. I really want it to happen for all chiropractors, for really even primary care, physical therapy today, because we've got to change the entire cycle. And it's really the MD world the, the that we've got to change as much as we got to change the chiropractic world, because their world's getting ready to be totally disruptive with value-based care. It's a whole different approach than uh, fees-for-service kind of a mentality. And they've got to change. And so it's my hopes that we're hitting all of this at the right time with such a disruptive technology that we're going to bring chiropractic right into that space. And they're going to be treated just like a primary care and in some cases a specialist. Uh, in doing that. And, and I don't really even care where the money comes from, to be quite honest. Uh, maybe that sounds odd, but I'm really talking about the health of the patient and the over, because there is so much abuse in the system. And again, not just chiropractic, there's abuse in the system for, again, fees, uh, testing, labs, medications. The pharma world is just crazy. And we have the data to show where we've done huge data dives over millions and millions of patients um, to show that the lack of coordination, Miles, not only cost a lot of money, but it costs people their lives. You know, it's interesting you say all of that. You know, I, I was going to say is, is that, you know, when it comes to you bringing up the abuse, anytime there's a third party reimbursing, I don't care what system, outside of healthcare, any system whatsoever, there's abuse, there's abuse that ends up happening as a result of just that, that structure. So that is a challenge. And that's not to say to get rid of third party. I'm just saying that is a challenge that comes along with third party. Again, I don't care whether it's welfare, whether it's healthcare benefits, whether it's, you know, handout, whatever it is, there's some abuse that happens as a result of that. And, you know, I think all of them, the insurance world is changing and that's why value-based care is, 
uh, is really coming into play is going to come into play because there's just not the money out there and doctors are going to have to be paid. They can't rob the doctor's pockets anymore and they can't raise premiums anymore. That's a proven thing. You need to go back and listen to our podcast with Katie Talento. Katie Talento was the national director of healthcare policy under the Trump, Trump administration. And she'll describe it, and I don't know if I get it exactly right, but there are like the, the patient and the provider are no longer together. There are 14 layers of, of crap in between the provider and the patient anymore. That relationship is long gone. And that's all the third parties, all the middlemen, the, the pharmacy benefit managers in there. They, they probably make more money than the doctor or the patient pays in premiums. There are so many layers in there. We've got to be so disruptive that we destroy those layers and bring the doctor and the patient back together, get rid of all those middlemen so there is good money and that they're talking, there's more communications, and that we're doing what is right for the patient, not what's right for the bank account. And, and I think if you do what's right for the patients, you don't have to worry about the bank account, in my opinion, but you've got to apply technology. And so my assumption was with cash practice, you were doing those things. You weren't collecting data. You weren't uh, looking at the efficacy of your treatments. You, you, you weren't using technology in that way. Jay and I are huge data geeks. We look at millions, hundreds of millions of records. Our typical data dive for Dave, uh, for Jay, when we look at something, is sometimes 200 million claim records and counter records that we look at to really do that. One of the missions I'm on now is looking at standardization, normalization of that. So when a patient presents one way, it's treated in some fairly standardized way uh, so that the outcome is good for everybody and it's a sort of a known outcome. You're sort of doing the same thing. You know when a patient presents a certain way about what you're going to have to do to get that patient back to a pain-free or or a healthy life again, correct? You know, I can't say that we as a company know that for our doctors. I mean, we're not telling them what to do clinical-wise. We stay out of that world of what they should be doing treatment-wise. But I will answer it this way. If I said to Jay, Jay, you know, there's an adjustment in the chiropractic world. There's an adjustment I could teach you and you will always get better results, 10% better results. Are you interested in learning that adjustment? And here's the data to show that. And Jay's going to be like, hell yeah, show me that adjustment. I'll use it on my patients because I want to do what's right by them. And my follow-up question, I'll leave it to you to answer. And that is, would you agree one of the reasons patients don't get the best results is not because what we did was wrong, but simply because the patient failed to follow through? Oh, Oh, there's absolutely so much data, so much data around that. And I think Miles in our conversations and you know what we're doing in our company. I mean, the goal of of retention of treatment plan adherence is always going to be better outcomes, right? Like that's, that's what we're striving for. What I love about what you're doing is that, you know, there's a lot of different practice styles out there, but at the end of the day, what you've done is you've made it easy for the patients who want what the doctors are giving them. If the patient wants wellness care and they don't give two shits about insurance and they're just investing in their own health and they want to be a lifetime chiropractic patient and the doctor is willing to accept that patient, you're making that connection easy for them, which creates value. So some practices want to do that. Some practices don't matter. The practices that do, that's where you're creating tremendous value. Absolutely. And that's important in the model I'm talking about. And I'm not talking, I am trying to make insurance reimbursement better, but I'm going to use the data to prove that. And I am trying to. Brad, when you, when you do that, I'm going to give you a big kiss on the lips. Uh, And and, and I, and I am 
very strictly heterosexual. So for me to kiss you on the lips because you've changed reimbursement for from insurance companies is going to be is going to be a landmark day, my friend. Well, you know, I battle that all the time. We talk about this all the time. <laughs> we work on that, and I've worked on numerous models. I know we were we we're battling it constantly. I've we've worked on several models trying to achieve that that we thought we're going to do this, but we finally realized we've got to get rid of all those layers in the middle and put the patient and the doctor back together again and show that the outcomes are are great they were done in a cost effective way and we have not had the data to do that before and now well, we're now we collaborating do. together you know we're we're talking about it earlier today we're collaborating together with groups not just you and I but people that have the same mindset to bring together a group of people that have the mindset we're going to change the world and we're going to do that with evidence based and we're going to show that even guys like Miles, in the way that he's doing that, that will fit right into it. I could take his data, feed it right into this system, and output it just like he's an insurance guy. And his data probably would fit better than most, to be quite honest. Listen, we got to yeah. take a break. Let's jump out. We'll be right back in segment three. We are talking with Miles Budson. And Jay, a little power of love, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> But don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Infinity. In the modern age of electronic data interchange, Infinity is committed to helping clinicians get paid fast so that they can spend less time tracking claims and more times with their patients. As a pro advocate for the healthcare industry, we create tools that make sense for electronic claims processing and business analytics. You couple that with superior support team, we strive to ensure your business is performing at its best. Infinity, committed to the future of claim processing. You are listening to Tech Talk, which is heard on Anchor FM and many other internet radio stations around the globe. Thank you for joining us. It's Tech Talk. What's up, everybody? It is Tech Talk. It is Dr. J here with my very good friend, Brad Cost, and another great friend, Miles Bodzin. Miles, what's up, buddy? Hey, Jay. Good to be back. Good to be back, man. This, is, this has been a fascinating story, a fascinating journey. And, um, and, and we're going to ask you just some personal questions just to kind of get uh -oh, to know you uh -oh. a little bit better so the audience can get to know you better. But before we do that, real quick, if you could just say, like, what was the biggest challenge that you had to overcome in growing cash practice? That's question number one. And then question number two is, what are you most excited about for what's next? Okay, so I would say the biggest challenge that we've had, um, you know, I don't want to dwell on our name being that people, you know, think we're only about cash, when in fact, we help people with, we've helped all kinds of, we have PI practices, insurance price practices. The bottom line is every practice collects some cash, whether it's co-pays or whatever it is, there's some money yeah. coming across the table. So we do help all practices. I would say that was a challenge. I would also say, you know, 
The other challenge is, you know, us chiropractors and myself included, we're all little wacky people. You know, that's no. why. Yeah, we're a little. You little think? Petty. Yeah, I think we're a little. So, you know, we we do get. Um, we're all guilty of the shiny object syndrome, where we're kind of distracted by shiny objects, and we're not really, you know. So, once we get chiropractors on board, I will say this: once chiropractors see what we have, eight out of ten just sign up right on the spot because it kind of just sells it. It's a no-brainer once they see it. Um, not everybody that signs up, you know, is like rocking and rolling right away. They 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 need some handhelding. Sometimes people get a little more distracted from things. So, I you know. It, I would say just working with the profession itself can be a little challenging at times just because, uh, <laughs> but I love it. I mean, I absolutely love it because I love chiropractic. I love serving. I love what we do. Um, but yeah, we're a wacky group of people, myself included. So it's, it's, it, it never is a dull day. I will say that for sure. It's so true, dude, because we are, we are such a unique group of people that have gone on such a unique journey, providing such a unique um, method of healthcare that um, I think it just lends to our DNA that we're just yep. going to be unique, period. And, and, and I feel you because as we talk to customers about our app and what it means for them and their practices, it, you can see it's taking a little bit of time yep. or it's a process for a lot, not all. Some people are like, I've been meaning about, you know, been meaning to like build an app for myself, but don't know how to do it. Um, so there, but a lot of people are just kind of processing it. And I know with Brad and, and the work that he does with infinity, like trying to get people to understand how important big data and aggregate data is and why did you come to infinity and why he's like a monstrous chiropractic warrior for us and why we all need to aggregate this day. Like it takes time, but at, at the end, most get it. And therefore I think we're just blessed to be in this, in this chiropractic universe. So talk to us about what you're most excited about next. Well, I, I, um, I have, I'm very excited about some things coming out and I really can't say what they are at the moment because it's a little premature, but I will say if you pay attention to the tradition, the chiropractic um, trade magazines out there, all the you know, all the ones you're familiar with out there, you're going to see some very uh, cutting edge ads coming out that will allude to some big new things coming out. So awesome. I will say it's a great question to ask. In fact, we were just reviewing, reviewing the marketing campaign this morning about this new stuff. And uh, we have some big stuff happening. I just can't say what it is yet, but I'm very excited about it. If you want to know, you'll see coming soon. But we have some really cool stuff happening at Cash Practice. Well, that's great. Uh, you know, so. <laughs> I can't, can't wait to see it, brother. Can't wait to see it. So, so Brad, we got, yeah, we got to ask him some personal stuff, Test right? Personal. Are you married? Uh-oh. I think yeah, you I'm are. Married. I I've been, I, yeah, I've been married uh, this year. This is uh, 21 that we're, 2021 that we're, that we're doing this podcast right now. This, August will be uh, 30 years married. Wow, 30 years. I, I was got I got married while I was in chiropractic school and my after my third term we were get, we got married. And I think I heard you awesome. mention you had kids. Yeah, I have two kids. I have a uh, a son who's 24 just finishing up his uh college education right now and he's got a degree in finance he's finishing up. And then my daughter who uh is 28 uh has her degree in um uh, economics and she actually actually both the kids work at my company. My son he works at our company, but eventually he's planning on transitioning on to, you know, financial, you know, finance to, you know, doing something in the world of finance. My daughter, um, she works at the company. She runs all of our HR and payroll and all of that kind of stuff behind the scenes of, you know, making sure we're doing things by the books when it comes to, you know, managing uh, teams of people. And uh, so she runs that department and she does a phenomenal job and son does a great job too. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a true family business. Um, not only do we have, you know, a team of employees, but it's nice to employ some of my kids as well at the company. Okay, and my so daughter, I should just say, one, one last thing I'll just say, we were about half emptiness because my daughter had moved out with her fiance last year. Uh, but just recently, 
uh, they moved back in uh, for the year number and I invited them to move back in. They're excited about maybe being able to buy a house one day. And I said, well, why don't you move in and save some money? And so they're, they just, they literally just moved in a couple of weeks ago. So we're so excited to have them back. back you know, Miles, there. I'm not sure that you actually have room for them in that like tiny little house that you have in San Diego. It's like a little shack. <laughs> I know. No, for the audience that doesn't know, Miles was kind enough to sponsor this massive, beautiful, amazing party for Cairo Congress in November of 2019, and invited everybody to come to his house. Had about crazy, 50 people or so there. Yeah, I had like a crazy that. spread. Super fun. We all had a great time and he's got a beautiful home and it's it's well deserved. When you create value in the universe, you, you deserve to be rewarded. So it was a great thing to say. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's very kind of you. So Miles, let me ask you this last question. If you could go back from the time, let's say you were in college and make one change in the world, one change, hmm. any change that you would want, what would be that one change? If I could change, like for me personally or for the world? Anything for the world, for you, it's a freebie here. Yeah, I probably would have invested a lot more in Amazon back in 1998 <laughs> so that I could then go help more. You know, Shiny you, things. You know money is a, is a vehicle to help other people, right? Ultimately, if you know, they've said that money is a magnifier. It either makes an asshole a bigger asshole or a good person a better person. And I'm genuinely, I feel like I'm a good person. I think I would have been able to do a lot more in the world uh, if I had bigger means at a, at a younger age. So um, I don't want to sound self-serving or anything like that, but honestly, I, I believe I would be able to serve humanity a lot more through the things I could develop with larger funding than some theoretical idea of, you know, going back and making peace in the world or something. But I'm a very practical person. And I know at the end of the day, it takes resources to make things happen. And uh, that's, you know, if you're asking me the one thing, I would have gone back and just, instead of buying that first house, I would have just put it all in the Amazon and then, you know, and, there you go. That, that's I know that's probably not the most uh, elegant answer, but you're being, uh, being hey, honest. Hey, it's real. It's real. It's a I real love answer. it. Man. I don't think anybody could argue with that answer. Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, we all know. You know, if you have bigger means, you have bigger pockets to help people and and, exactly and, right. and make change in the world. So it's exactly right. Well, most people would. Some people, again, it's just more shiny objects, and uh, everybody's guilty of that, Miles. So, yes. hey, but you know what. That's good that you have the heart that you want to help other people and you're absolutely I mean, right. It takes lots of resources to do that. I mean, I love being able to donate to the foundation. I love being able to donate to chiropractic universities. I mean, I, I love making those donations when I do, and uh, I like them to be substantial, not, you know, little things. So yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I love seeing the chiropractic profession flourish. I love, I mean, if you go look at our Google reviews at cashback, go look at our reviews on Capterra, go look at our reviews on Google Every day, either it's reviews or emails we're getting, we're constantly getting feedback from people for, about how much they enjoy speaking to our team because we literally love what we do. We know that we're helping doctors help patients, which is, I mean, that's so, I mean, that's why we became, I mean, chiropractic. That's why right? it exists, we're right. People, right? Yeah. We're, we're super gratification out of that. So that's that's ultimately what drives us that's awesome miles well, that is great. yeah thanks for taking out a little time today to talk to our audience sure uh, and uh we appreciate it you know i'd like to follow up with you in a year and see you know let you talk about the new thing that's going on uh, sure. i'd like to be able to talk about how we've looked at some of your data and compared that out into the rest of the world data and uh and just show because again i'm glad i got to talk to you totally different than what i expected so I think that's pretty cool. Thank you again for joining us. You're very welcome. My pleasure. Jay, buddy, you yeah, gonna, you're going to finish this week out busy, I'm sure. 
Yeah, I got a fair amount going on, but um, it's going to be a great weekend, great holiday weekend. I'm wishing everybody out there a very safe, uh, happy, healthy Memorial Day weekend and, um, and have fun and be safe. Are you doing anything special? So it is my 17-year anniversary with Courtney today. Yeah, so anything? we're going to have it. We're going to have it. Thank any you. Any big questions coming up or anything like that, man? Uh, well, she asked me, like, why am I such an asshole all the time? But besides that, I don't think so. <laughs> Listen, uh, I wish the best to you and Courtney. Thanks, buddy. We'll leave with a song. Guys, uh, we appreciate you spending time with us today. From Dr. J. Greenstein, I'm Brad Cost. Have a good day. See y'all. We are high. It's Tech Talk.